This is the On Conflict Podcast. Deep conversations that will transform your relationship with conflict. Season 2, a focus on leadership. And now, your hosts, Julia Menard and Gordon White. I'm Gordon. I'm Julia. Welcome to the Riffcast on... Anne-Marie Daniel. Whose particular interest is biomimicry. Leadership. And... Conflict conflict. resolution. Yeah, and the relationship between those three, or at least that's the reason we wanted to interview her. For sure. Yeah. And wonderful interview if you wanted to go have a listen to it. And this is our riffing on points that we just want to take deeper, have a bit of a discussion between Gordon and I on. Yeah, and I think we picked three different areas. Yes, we did. And the first is the notion of quiet your cleverness, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And have humility, right? Mm -hmm. As a leader in particular, right? Mm -hmm. And why, Mm -hmm. Julia? Well, Anne-Marie was referencing a book, which will be on the resource list that I don't have at the top of my mind. I I think it had biomimicry in the title. But the phrase comes from that book, quietening our cleverness. And Gordon, I think you and I talked off air about the importance of that concept of being open, being curious, being humble as a prerequisite to being open to learning. Mm. Yeah, and it's important for a leader because in a position of power, you don't sometimes actually have to listen to others so you can get away with not doing it. But they're negative consequences to that, right? Well, I'd really like to build on that and emphasize on that point that, you know, sometimes you don't have to listen well. And actually, a lot of times people aren't going to tell you anything either. Yeah. Because they perceive, rightly or wrongly, that you have a lot of power, potentially power over them. So people become, the higher up you go and perceive power, the more people are afraid to tell you things. Mm -hmm. As much as you think you might have an open door policy for example. Yeah, so you have to be very inviting about it. And you've talked about that before. We have talked about it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I find you particularly demonstrative of a a humble attitude. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I think you model that. And and, um, I think it's easy to forget that any of us may be perceived as having more power than actually we intend to convey sometimes well when you have it a lot of times you don't notice it that's part that's of having right. uh, part of having power well part of having quote-unquote privilege too, yes right yeah D- yeah go ahead um yeah and i i want to um bring us to something Anne marie was talking about too mm-hmm. because because she's saying um and this is a principle of biomimicry that if we listen more to nature that it will show us how to solve problems mm-hmm. but in order to hear those answers or see them or perceive them or be available to them, we have to quiet down right? mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, let go of our cleverness, right? Mm-hmm. Quiet our cleverness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such a beautiful phrase. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she also spoke about asking for input. Right? If you're quieting your cleverness and you're open to nature, that's one place you get information, but you also get information from anyone else that might be in your environment. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so... Getting input from others is also essential. And part of this principle, I think we're talking about, right? Humility and quieting your cleverness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was certainly a theme that I think came up in the interview. I also just realizing some people may not know the term biomimicry. Mm-hmm. And may not have listened to the other interview. And so just very briefly, my first level understanding of biomimicry is a, an approach or an attitude of learning, actually learning from nature, not using nature, for example, but but learning from the wisdom in nature. Mm-hmm. And she spoke about some different aspects of nature, like categories from which one could learn, right? Mm-hmm. And one was form and shape. Mm-hmm. Right, you can design something after a feather or just as an example, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 nice. You could design a flying device using how the a bee or a fly uses its wings or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So you can study something in nature and then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. create a technology out of it. Mm-hmm. So that's one area. Another area is systems, right? The way things flow, the way energy flows. Like the way uh, animals consume food and then turn that into energy. And, and have a natural, it has a natural flow about where that goes. Yeah, yeah. Can we stop on that one? For yeah, just we can second? even talk about the way a river flows too, right? Yeah. That one made me think about, because she spoke, Henry spoke at one time about communication being a type of energy, mm-hmm. in a way, a type of mm-hmm. flow. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of the thesis that I did on gossip in the workplace Mm. and how we could use gossip as a positive energy. If you want to think of it that way, it's a, I never thought of it as a directed kind of flow, but I think if I think of communication as an energy flow, if we want positive message to get out there about people, then that's a type of, it can be a type of biomimicry. I think, I don't know. What do you think? Not sure. (laughs) (laughs) I was attempting to apply. But in any case, there's flow there in both cases. Yes. There's flow there. Yeah, yeah. To talk about processes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, third third thing she mentioned was um, chemistry structure, right? And she mentioned that um, almost everything that happens in, or everything that's created in nature is only from 26 or 27 elements. That was surprising to me, actually. Mm -hmm. I thought there would be more from the periodic table Mm -hmm. of chemistry, but Mm -hmm. just that number. Yeah, anyway, so there's that whole area. Mm-hmm. And then there's the area, of a fourth one was um, ecosystems, right? The overall patterns mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in how things function. Mm-hmm. We can learn from those. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's one piece that really caught our imagination, this idea of quietening our cleverness. And do we want to go on to the sec- second piece? Anything Shh. you wanted to add before we shift? No, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, second area was? Second area was, uh, we asked Anne-Marie about what do we, what did she think um, leaders needed to know about conflict to be more effective mm-hmm. in conflict? And she spoke about the work that um, she was involved in her leadership consulting company, Roy Group. The Roy Group, right, out yeah, of Victoria? Out of Victoria, yeah. British Columbia, that is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah. British West Columbia. Coast of Canada. Yeah. West Coast of Canada, yeah. Earth. Yeah, so she talked about three things, right? She did indeed. And these three are consistent with what we teach or what we we emphasize. Which was affirming in a lot of ways. It was, yeah, because they're coming at it from a completely kind of different professional development stream, I guess Mm -hmm. you could say, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it might not be exactly the way we would organize things or teach things, but certainly the the things they're emphasizing Mm -hmm. we support for sure. Yeah, which are three things. Yeah, one was non-directive coaching, right? Mm -hmm. Eliciting 
decision making, constructive decision making from mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, helping supporting people. Them. Yeah. yeah, sorry, supporting them. Yeah, mm-hmm. to come up with their own solutions, yeah. essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, listening with listening, having an ear for interests, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to hear what's underlying between the words of what someone is saying, reading the emotional communication as well, right? Yeah, yeah, knowing what, hearing what is important to someone, right? Well, and I, and I wondered if, we, you know, we should stop for a couple of minutes and just talk about what, what does anyone mean by an interest? Like, in, what is interests? Where does mm-hmm. this term come from? And Because uh, we didn't really get into that with that conversation with Anne-Marie. No, we didn't. Yeah. You want to get into it now? Just a little bit, just to you put want, some context. You want to start? I think sure. you and I might have quite different things to say about it. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> well, this is live. <laughs> well, one of the ways to start that conversation is to say that the notion of interests was popularized by uh, two authors named Fisher and Urey in a book published in the 1980s called Getting to Yes. Mm-hmm. And the book talked about the importance of getting curious, curious in a way, about what was driving people to want the solutions that they might want. Mm. What was their underlying motivation? So, in other words, the thing they wanted, which is called a position sometimes, yes. wasn't didn't really give the reasons for why they wanted it. Yes. Yeah, to so, look somewhere else to find why sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. So, if you and I, if I want, I'm, I'm going to put my hand on your teacup right now. If I want this teacup, but you have this teacup, so it's a limited resource, Mm -hmm. we could start fighting over who gets this cup because Mm -hmm. I, my solution is I'll take it. Mm -hmm. Your solution is you'll keep it. Mm -hmm. But the innovation that they popularized was, well, let's get curious about, let's quiet our cleverness and get curious about what's important to you about that cup, what's important Mm -hmm. to you about that cup. And as we delve deeper into that conversation, why does it matter for me to have that? We start to put our finger on these things that have been called interests. So Mm. we get a little murky about what really is an interest anyway. Mm -hmm. But I would say that's the start of how I would define what an interest is. How about you? Yeah. I was going to say something more about what you were saying, but I will just instead say Here's another or a couple of ways to understand it. To in addition, one we criteria used in making a decision. So, if you're wanting to buy a new vehicle, then you might be looking for uh, fuel mileage, durability, color, sound system, comfort. Those are all interests that you have that will inform the vehicle that you choose to purchase. Very good. Right? Yeah. So they're criteria, criteria upon which to make a decision. decision. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. To make yeah. a good decision. Make right? a good decision. Yeah. Right. Because we could fight over the teacup mm-hmm. and end up with a decision, but it wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily be a good one. Yeah. Especially a quote unquote win win decision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What I was gonna what I was gonna say before that yeah. had slipped yeah, yeah. my mind was that I think I think something that Anne Marie brought to the conversation, which was I think very nice, mm. was the idea that you can hear people's interests between the words hmm. in what they're saying, if you hmm. learn to listen for them. And I think that's... Learn that's, to listen for interest. Yes, that's what I... And I think that's what she was saying, have mm-hmm. a, developing an ear for interest. And that's something that a leader, she thinks it's important for leaders to do that. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And yeah. then it helps them in negotiation, helps them in difficult conversations. It helps them just knowing what's important to the people in their environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It helps them knowing what's important to their customers or yeah. clients if they have them. Right? Yeah. And it's a completely different way to approach problem solving. Mm-hmm. 
because or negotiating or having difficult conversations. Because if what I'm thinking is I got to go into that conversation knowing what solution I want, people often call that their outcome. <laughs> I know what solution I want. And then all I have to do is somehow maneuver you into that particular solution. That's my game plan. That is very different than going into the conversation saying, I have a sense of why I might want that particular solution, but I don't know why you might want some particular and solution. And I don't know if it actually is the best solution. Just ha- that just right. happens to be what I'm thinking about right. now, today. And I can let go of that solution because I know why I want it. Right. I can let go of the solution. I don't want to let go potentially of the whys. Mm-hmm. But the how I can let go of if I know the why. I can be open to other ways of achieving what I want. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you go and have the conversation about the whys. That's right. And then you actually may find out new whys that you didn't even know about beforehand. Well, that's because, exciting. Yeah. Because <laughs> a good, difficult conversation, if you like, a good, mm-hmm. difficult conversation mm-hmm. is about not only uncovering interests and talking about them, but it's also about discovering one's that you might not have been fully aware of before. Yeah. You're changed in the conversation. Yeah. Well, there's another piece, and I don't know if it directly relates to what the Roy Group might be teaching leaders in terms of the second area, how to listen for interests. But at some point in our conversation with Anne-Marie, she spoke about creating, well, I called it vision, but helping people get a handle on creating a vision together. And that if that's, people love to solve problems, she was saying. Mm-hmm. And if you can orient orient them to solve the right problem. Mm-hmm. So what's the problem? The problem is that you don't have a joint vision. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of exploring interests fundamentally could be constructed as, okay, what's most important to you? What's most important to me? How can we create a joint vision that encompasses what's important to both of us? Once we've got that as our task mm-hmm. in exploring interests, mm-hmm. then we could get on with solving. How can we achieve this joint vision. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's a beautiful articulation of what interest and interest exploration is really about. Mm-hmm. I want to place this in context too, because when she was talking about that, it was in the relation in relation to climate change, right? Which is yes. one of her concerns. And yes. she was talking about in a neighborhood context to maintain the culture of your neighborhood and at the same time adapt to maybe starting to grow food, mm-hmm. reducing carbon dioxide creation, um, ecological footprint, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You have to, the new sort of um, ecologically sensitive way of being has to uh, intersect or relate or connect or overlap or become part of the existing culture. Right? Mm-hmm. Or, or there mm-hmm. has to be a collective willingness to shift culture, right? So, but when she was talking about that, she was saying an exercise that such a neighborhood could do would be to create a kind of goal statement, right? Mm-hmm. For what they're trying to achieve, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yes. And, and you're, I think you're speaking about a way of getting there, right? Yeah. Through using an interest-based conversation yeah. to get to such a goal yeah. statement yeah. that would enshrine kind of the most important interests yeah. of that group, right? And become a kind of guiding light. That's right. Yeah. And it can be revisited, mm-hmm. but at least it's... For the time being, yeah. we're all together. In yeah, this. revisited, evolved. Yeah, right. yeah. Without a vision, the people will perish. Mm-hmm. Need a vision, and I think she was also speaking about it in relation to the traditionally perceived conflict between economics 
and uh, the environment. So you know, leaders need to get trained in what interests are and how to listen for interests, mm-hmm. I think, um, was something that, well, in a way, was music to our ears. Gord, we've been on faculty at the Justice Institute for I was going to say way too long. We've been on faculty <laughs> a long time. Mm-hmm. And the, the interests are the bedrock of what we teach at the Justice Institute. One of the bedrocks, because I'd one. say the other one is collaboration. Right? Collaboration, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, so that was very heartening to hear. And then the third area that uh, they think leaders need to know to be effective with conflict? Is to be able to facilitate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think in lots mm-hmm. of different ways, right? Mm-hmm. But help a group function well together, help them you know, get to consensus. And she's talked in particular about the necessity of feedback, right? Yeah. We're yeah. sort of coming back to the point we made about input. Yes. Right? Earlier when we were talking yeah, yeah. about humility helps you right. get input. Right. But she mm-hmm. she talked about getting feedback from the system. And she talked about that a lot, you know, like thematically, it was one thing that would come up in different ways. It was, yeah, mm-hmm. it was. And, mm-hmm. and we asked her, well, how on a practical level, how do you go about doing that? Yes. And one of the things she said was to ritualize it, right? Yeah, I thought that was a beautiful phrase. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe do you want to expand a little bit about what you... Well, I think she talked about at the Roy Group these three questions, which are fairly familiar to us. I might not get them exactly right, but it was kind of like asking after any kind of piece of work or something that you could ask someone, what did you do that worked, you think worked well? Was tricky. What was tricky? Yeah. Yeah. And what would you like to do differently next yeah. time? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Which are the the kind of questions we also ask at the Center for Conflict Resolution Mm. at the JI when people go through their uh, role plays. Yeah, or we might in our own training too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe after this podcast. (laughs) Okay, so anything else you want to say about feedback? Yes, she said something really beautiful Mm. that is Mm -hmm. getting feedback may hurt, but it settles the soul. Mm -hmm. And I think... Part of that is that you're now connected to the people you serve, right? In a way, maybe that you weren't before, right? You're going to mm-hmm. be hearing from them mm. about how you're doing, kind of. Or and how, how you're impacting them, too, Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. 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 So important. Yeah, and that's soulful somehow, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, that was... But it, it can be painful sometimes, right? When you get feedback that is... I don't know if you like negative or corrective or mm-hmm. it's been mm-hmm. negative, it's been impactful in a way that mm-hmm. has inconvenienced or yeah. hurt or yeah. someone else. Right. Yeah. And then, and then that may hurt. So you have to be open to that. Yeah. Possibility. It's just like being in a spousal relationship, right. Or hurting each other is kind of part of it. Right. You mm-hmm. know, maybe try to, but no, but you will. Well, you touch on each other's wounds. Yeah. And you will. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that was feedback loop. You wanted to mention that phrase. And I think f- as far as my thinking, those were the things that we wanted to touch on. I think so too. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you. And thank you, Julia. And thanks for listening. If you love this episode of On Conflict, then help us out by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. And you can spread these big ideas too by sharing on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you show up online. Want to know more about us? Check out our website, onconflictpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. Now, go make the world a better place.